This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. And now back to your regular programming. You've never heard less productive announcements. Heard nationally, it's the Believe in FCS Football Podcast with Joe DeLeon and Sean Anderson. Welcoming to the show our first off-season coaching interview. First year head coach, Ryan Cardi for the Delaware Blue Hens. Coach, it's your first off-season, first spring that you had with the team. How have things been going so far? Uh, they've been great. They have. It's uh, I've obviously been busy. Uh, been, you know, on, on the front end of it, a little bit of a whirlwind. You know, it was certainly a head on a swivel day to day, sometimes hour to hour, trying to figure out, you know, the, the logistics of pretty much everything that that we needed to try to get going in the in the same direction, um, in essentially our direction, right? Whatever we wanted to to do as a staff uh, and as a program, as a department, try to get everybody on the same page early in the process was always uh, is something that, you know, we had to balance with also trying to continue to recruit um, high school kids, transfers, um, and create a foundation of a culture for the the team that was currently here. And so um, it was fun and exciting, but certainly uh, challenging at first. You know, it was, it was a, there was a lot of uh, logistical things that needed to happen um, and this being my first time doing it, it was, uh, you know, certainly things I, I've learned along the way that uh, hopefully can help as the future comes. And speaking on, you know, this being your, your first time as a head coach, what are some of the things that like you've wanted to emphasize now that you have this role as a head mm-hmm. coach? Like I remember listening to an interview with Josh McDaniels when he took that Denver Broncos job the first time he was a head coach. And he was talking about how he had a a binder full of things that he learned from Belichick that he wanted to do things that maybe mm-hmm. were different from Belichick. Are there any things that you, when you got this opportunity, you're like, I need to do this to, to set the tone to, to build a culture. Well, there certainly are things that over the course of time I've, I've taken from, I've been blessed and lucky to have worked for um, only two head coaches in my career. Uh, and both of them are future hall of famers, most likely, you know, I mean, in, in Sean McDonald and Casey Keeler, and they both do things very differently. Um, extremely successful humans, good people, but man, are they different styles of coaches. And so I've had a chance to kind of be on both ends of the spectrum, be able to kind of, you know, take what my, the way my brain works and the, the, my upbringing in, in football and kind of see what I would like to do if I ever had that seat. Um, and for sure, you know, I had some things that were specific, you know, I, I think this is the way I would do it if I had a choice, you know, but really it's a matter of, you know, what are your beliefs? What are your core values? What do you believe in, in football? You know, what is your, what is your foundation of scheme toughness? You know, how does it all work? And then, all right, now as each situation arises, those are the things that you learn from experience. Like how do you handle each situation is really based on, your personality intertwining with the teams, you know? And so 
um, for sure. There's things, there's certain things, one or two things that I was like, okay, that has to happen here. And, um, you know, those are things that we've implemented other than that, you know, it's going to be, okay, what is the identity of our staff? What is the identity of our culture and our team? And then how do we react each situation as it, as it arises? So you are now in this role as a head coach, and not only are you granted the opportunity to lead a really storied program at the FCS level, you also get to lead a program that you played for. So when you started coaching and you talked about having that, that background for, for two Hall of Fame coaches at the FCS level, was this always the goal to, to be a head coach at Delaware? Was that always what you were shooting for or you just wanted the opportunity to be a head coach? I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, it was not always my goal. Um, to be honest with you, being a head coach wasn't always my goal. Um, you know, I think, you know, I, I loved doing what I was doing and calling plays and, and being an offensive coordinator. Um, and that was kind of my goal for a while. When I was a position coach, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to call plays around an offense. And I was, again, lucky enough to do it for a couple of guys who really let me do it my way. You know, Coach McDonald and Coach Keeler both were hands off, you know, the offense and let us do what we needed to do uh, to go win games and score points. And it was fun. And, um, you know, I, I failed to mention, you know, the other head coach I grew up around who was my father. Um, who is a Hall of Fame New Jersey high school football coach. And, and the thing that he always kind of preached to me and taught to me in honestly, in any aspect of life was whatever you're doing, do it as hard as you can and don't think about any other job. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just do that one and do it really well. And good things will come if you're, if you're good at it. And so I, I wasn't that guy that was always looking for the next one or looking for the next head coaching job or whatever came open. I, that was never really something I, uh, I envisioned myself doing, at least now in my career. Um, and I'm going to be honest with you. I, I didn't know that I wanted this job until it came open. And then there was nothing else I wanted more. And so, um, man, am I glad that I'm here. I know that. So what was the timeline like for that then that you maybe weren't necessarily on the lookout for a head coaching job. And this one opens up with, with really good timing yeah. after all the, the, the great things that you did at Sam Houston. What, yeah. Was it like a, just a mutual interest, perfect timing type of a thing? Well, certainly as you know, in this profession, there's a lot of luck and timing involved in, in any track, you know, sometimes it works out well for you and sometimes it doesn't. Um, I would say perfect would be an average word for the timing of it since I was still coaching in the playoffs. Um, and that was, entirely stressful and, um, and ridiculously tiring. Uh, but the, uh, the timing of the fact that, you know, we had just come off some good runs and, um, the job came open, you know, when it seemed like they were looking for somebody who kind of fit my bill, then sure. You know, that was, I mean, that's, again, that's how it works in this profession. Sometimes you get your shot and when you, when you get it, you better again, do what my father said and put your head down and go to work and not want anything else. Just be happy where you are and, and make sure you have people around you who are in the same boat that, that, that want to be here, that want to coach football at the University of Delaware, that want to come in every day and, and be around young men and, and make them better and not let them stay the same any day. And that's kind of what we surrounded ourselves with here. And I think that we have one of the better staffs that I've been around. I think a lot of people don't really understand the, the difficulties that you mentioned of, of, interviewing for a job, and then also leading one of the top programs in the country in your, your offensive coordinator position. What, what were some of the challenges? And you talked about that being stressful. Like, What were some of the challenges of, of trying to navigate that? 
Yeah. Well, it was. It was very challenging. And, and our administration here, uh, my administration now, at the time they were not yet, our administration here was, I mean, very accommodating. And, uh, you know, they, I think they, they wanted me to be involved. And I made it pretty clear early that I was not going to be involved if it affected Sam Houston. I got, I, I had been through too much with those guys. It's just not how I do business. And so, um, you know, it was going to have to be on my time, basically, if they wanted to, to, to interview, if they wanted to meet, um, if they wanted me to come to campus, it was going to be on, uh, you know, a time that was set up through myself and coach Keeler and our administration at Sam Houston that made it possible. And so, uh, they were very accommodating and tremendous and, you know, it was, stressful in that it's always stressful. I was in the playoffs and I, I usually spend 18 hours a day on that. And I still was, there was not a, a minute that wasn't the same as it would have been had I not been interviewing for a job. And so then it just turned into more minutes of the day used, uh, you know, and a little bit more brain power. Other than that, um, you know, nothing really changed for our kids at Sam Houston, which is what I needed uh, to be the case. That was, that was the kind of the one stipulation I had. I'm sure Blue Hens fans are, are very excited that things did work out in the manner that they did, especially because of the the background, having won a national championship as an offensive coordinator at Sam Houston. And then you also won a national championship while a member of the Blue Hens team when you were a quarterback back in the day. What hmm. do you think, having been in both of those experiences, teams need in order to get to that championship winning level? Um, obviously, there's a bunch of elements there, but you know, I think the, the one through line uh, that could kind of connect those two teams. Um, well, one of them is coach Keeler. So that is a through line there. Um, uh, I suppose one of them is me, uh, but the, uh, the, I mean, the big things are obviously the people, you know, I mean, we had, we had such a good chemistry at both of those different places at those times and not always at those places. And that's the thing that people I don't think understand about football. There's 110 people in a locker room, and sometimes it's not just because you have a culture and a plan and a, uh, a situation where one year you're like this as a culture, there are different personalities in your locker room that, that come and go and, and you try your best to be as consistent as possible. And, uh, you know, hopefully your, your upperclassmen and your senior leaders can, you know, disseminate the information and the core values down through the team. But there are times where it's a little different, even if you do everything the same way. And so, um, you know, we had a, a, couple of years there at both places with some uh, some special people around, some special leaders, uh, a really good chemistry in the locker room. Um, and uh, I think the biggest component there would be really good players. And so uh, I think that's, you know, it's certainly not overlooked, um, but sometimes maybe downplayed a little bit. You know, you need guys to go make those plays in the, in the big games because in, eventually you're going to have to run through a gauntlet of, legitimate contenders, you know, at Sam Houston, it was what four top 10 teams in a row. You know, you're going to have to do that in order to win a national championship. And so, you know, I think players win games, but people win championships. And so we had the right people in the program and around it at both of those times. Before we continue on with this discussion, folks, I do want to tell you about bet online today's sponsors our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. Don't forget that the MLB is back. Who are you picking to win the World Series? Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. 
It's super easy to get started, so head to their website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. So speaking of, you know, you're talking about having special players. You got to play with, with Joe Flacco. He came in as a transfer, uh, I believe, from an FBS program, and he, he steps in. Yeah, it was Pitt. That's what, that's what I thought. I didn't want to misspeak there, but so he comes in, he transfers. He wins that starting job in a, in a competition with you, and you guys win the yeah. championship. He's he's drafted in, in the first round. What was it like getting to play with him? Just like from him as a as a college perspective, because I feel like a lot of people don't know what he's like. The only thing I'm going to correct you on, Joe, is that we yeah. did not win a national championship when Joe was here. Oh, I won it in 2003. Okay. The quarterback okay. that started was was Andy Hall. So it was <laughs> right. At, he draft. came. He came right after. Okay. Thank you yeah. for correcting me on that. <laughs> a different draft pick that played in front of me uh, right. was Andy Hall, and uh, he uh, he was there my freshman or venture freshman year, um, and so Joe was there my back end. Okay. Uh, he's great. Uh, what a good person. Uh, smart, competitive person. Fairly quiet. Uh, you know, reserved. Um, you know, not a not a vocal guy. Um, but when he said something, it mattered. Um, you know, was again a fun guy to have in the meeting rooms. Very smart. Uh, we got a chance to to bounce bounce things off each other a lot. And um, you know, I, I'm I'm happy that he's had so much so much success because of how good a person he is and and, and talented a football player he is. And so um, it was not a shock to me when he did what he did. I know that. Or do you, are you still in touch with him at all? Or do you still yeah, talk here and there? Joe and I talk. Are yeah. you going to get him to come speak uh, to the program at all? Or I hope so. I hope so. We had uh, uh, Coach Ginn, Brian Ginn. I'm sorry, not Coach Ginn. Uh, Coach uh, Coach Nagy and um, and Mike Adams um, come back uh, a couple of weeks ago for their uh, Hall of Fame inductions. They spoke to the team, which was uh, it was pretty powerful. Um, and uh, you know, hopefully, with the amount of tremendous alums we have. Um, you know, the particular ones that have played in the NFL or still playing in the NFL, you know, I'd, I'd love to be able to have a nice uh, rotation of guys that come in through and, and get a chance to, to speak to the current guys. Because again, it, you can, you know, talk about it in recruiting and you can feel it when you're on campus, but there's something about this place that's special that is hard to describe. Um, and it's one of those places that, you know, it feels like home when you're here. You know, when you're when you belong to the University of Delaware football program. And so um, I think it's pretty powerful when when guys who were here in the 90s, 2000s, 80s talk about the same feelings is pretty awesome to be part of something that's been so storied. And, and like you said, so historic and historically good and in champions. I mean, we have six national championships at this place. And so it's something that, you know, in order to bring back, you know, that feeling of understanding that you're part of something bigger is pretty, is pretty special. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't really consider the, not only the quarterback lineage that it's come through Delaware, but the, the coaching lineage, like you mentioned mm-hmm. a couple of guys, like Matt Nagy's is like one of the mm-hmm. most notable ones who's been a head coach right. for, you know, for multiple years with the Chicago bears. It's, it's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. The coincidence of, of all the guys that have come through, through mm-hmm. Delaware. Do you think there's anything no to, you know, any reasoning behind that? Well, I, I'd say again, it's it's part of the the culture that that was set here by Tubby Raymond, and you know, I mean, you're talking about a Hall of Fame coach who recruited all those players, and and some of them coached with him and under him, um, and success breeds success, 
you know, there's no doubt. And so, you know, it's something that's could be something in the water here too. I don't know. <laughs> something in the atmosphere as well. I've, I've yeah, was no. recruited by Delaware. So I, I totally understand what, you know, what that, what that area is like. And the, you know, the game, the atmosphere is, is certainly very exciting for an FCS program. Speaking yeah. of another exciting program though, James Madison, they're leaving the CAA. They're going to the Sun Belt. They're moving up to the FBS. And we've kind of had this history of CAA teams that have dominated for multiple years and then moved up. And that opens the door for another program to lead the CAA. How does this affect Delaware, do you think, and maybe open up a window for them to be that next, you guys to be that next dominant program in the CAA? It's a good question. I mean, I, I don't know that it, affects us any differently than it affects everybody else. You know, I think there's, there's obviously a, a gaping hole um, left by a, a team like James Madison. They were consistently so powerful. It's, they've, they've been that way for, shoot, it's been probably eight years now, right? Nine years that they've yeah. been, I mean, they've always been a contender, but they've been legitimately powerful. Um, and, you know, at, at times a little scary to play, you know? And so right now, them being gone, obviously it opens the door for everyone in the conference and everyone in the country. There's one less team that's going to come in there and, and be a top four team always. And so, you know, uh, we're not the only team that's vying to be that next, you know, powerhouse at, at this, this area of the country. Um, but I know we are, we're, we're going to attempt to be that person. That's who we want to be. That's who we belong with in the conversation of teams like that. And that's, that's what our charge is here as, as coaches and as players here. And when we're building something, that's the foundation we're building toward is becoming somebody who, you know, when they get off the bus, people know that they, they're there. And, and when the game's finished, they know that they just played us. Coach, so the last question I got for you, a little bit more of a broader one, NIL and the transfer portal have, have certainly affected recruiting and, and retaining talent at all levels, but it seems like at the FCS level too, it's more and more difficult to have to deal with that added variable, especially because, you know, FCS programs don't have the funding as a bigger program, especially like in Alabama that can pull from those big collectives. I'm just curious, have you encountered any, you know, issues with, with having to deal with, with other teams, maybe trying to actively recruit guys or guys that are currently maybe were in the portal or trying to get them to enter the portal. Has that been something that you maybe have had to, to deal with so far? Uh, you know, there's, there's been things that have arisen. Uh, I'm, you know, we don't need to get into specifics, right. um, but for sure. I mean, it's out there and it's uh, it's, it's part of our, our landscape and it's part of what we've progressed toward in in college football. And I mean, for us to do anything other than, do our best to use the parameters toward our advantage is, is silly. So, you know, to, to sit there and lament or complain about anything, how things have changed. I, it is what it is. This is where we are right now. And so, um, you know, if, if the worst thing about this is that we've got to, you know, try our best to continue to retain our players by treating them well and, and letting them know that we care about them and that we're in it for them, then, okay, that's an okay by, byproduct as far as I'm concerned. And so, um, you know, for sure, there's probably going to be a time in my, in my career where I lose a kid because I couldn't offer him as much money as somebody else could. And that, that is going to, to happen at the FCS level, um, I would assume. But, um, you know, for now, you know, I, I'm worried about the guys that are in the program now and we'll worry about the ones that want to leave it at some point. Um, 
you know, for now, it, what I do know is that we had six to seven guys in the portal when I showed up and all of them are back, you know? And so the reason to stay here is pretty significant. I know that because I've walked it and I've been here. Well, coach, that's all I have for you. Really appreciate you hopping on. We'll be rooting for you this season, except when you play Rhode Island, but we'll be, we'll be rooting for you to see how, how things go in your first season. Fair enough. I appreciate it, Joe. It's been a pleasure. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working. The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.